0: You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. If you're married, could you stand up where you are? If you're married, even if your spouse is not present with you today, would you stand up if you're married? All right. Um, this is something you guys need to turn your radars on today. All right. This is something that will be a challenge and encouragement for you right now, currently in your life, right now, all right? So uh, I want to I pray especially for you right now. Father, I pray for these uh, men and women that are in right now in, uh, in holy matrimony with someone, God. And, uh, and God, I pray that you'd open their hearts and their minds to hear and to receive uh, your word, I pray. God, in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Now, the rest of you that are single, this still applies to you. And if you're single again, or recently single again, or maybe you've married and for whatever reason life has brought you to a place where you are single again, this will still be applicable. All right. So, so um, even though we're spending two weeks talking to and about married couples and being married, I, I want you to, if you're younger and single and plan on being married one day, I want you to begin to apply these right now in your life to your friendships. And if you're single again and you hope to be married again one day, then, then obviously apply this in the same way. But if, if you're at a place where you don't see that you're going to be married one day again, we'll use this to challenge and encourage you on your faith journey and your relationships with others, okay? So now we are going to talk about love, unity, and peace. Two weeks on the keys to, to good communication Primarily uh, with that person that you love so much. Um, now, I just wanted to set off from the top that today I speak out of perfection. I uh, speak uh, out of out of a complete knowledge that I have excelled and do all of this correctly. Is that right, Nicole? I told you to say yes. You see that? Obviously, um, I have still more to go. Just by saying that, I've. Arrived since that I haven't. So um, I'm not in any way speaking out of someone who has attained perfection on how to do all these things perfectly. Uh, But these are things that I apply to our life. My wife and I have been married uh, over 20 years, 21 years. It'll be 22 in, uh, well, this coming November. It's a long ways away. So 21 years. And um, uh, I feel like we have a great communication. And it's something we're still growing on and working on, obviously, but I feel confident that I think God's Word is going to speak to all of us. A healthy marriage is not an accident, all right? It is, it is not something uh, that you just like wake up and go, man, this is a great marriage. If it's great, it's great for a reason. And if your marriage is on the rocks, it's a mess for a reason. It doesn't just Happen one way or the other. So I want to encourage you if you're single to be thinking about how you can ensure that your marriage will be Excellent when that day comes and how you can basically change the course of this ship if your marriage is not in a healthy place Proverbs 24 3 says by wisdom a house is built And through understanding it is established the next two weeks, we're going to lay some stones to build upon in your relationships. And if you're healthy already, if your marriage is good, then this is just going to bring great fortitude. And it's going to be great encouragement for you to just excel in that even further. Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort. Everybody say, make every effort. It says, make every effort, effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So here's the deal. You're gonna get out of your marriage what you put in, all right? You're gonna get out of your future marriage what you put in even now. You're sowing into your marriage right now whether you're single or married. And what you put in is what you're gonna get out. Let's look at some marriage uh, statistics. It seems that some have found uh, the wrong one. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Holly Hines in the uh, book sexual detour, these are some of the stats, 70% of married men and 60% of married women have had affairs. Now, I think that's interesting. Let that sink in for a minute, because those are the ones who fessed up to it, right? And and this is troubling in many ways. I want you to feel the pain of that for just a second. I, I want you to... to To know that this is tragic in every sense of the word. Whether anybody ever finds out or not, whether your spouse ever finds out, this is something that cuts deep to the heart of trust in a relationship and your confidence in a relationship. So I want to challenge you to to listen to God's challenge today from, from His word. Here's another stat. In the U.S., half, you might know this, half of all couples who marry, will stay married for only 15 years. Here's the, the windows of divorce, uh, years uh, 4, 7, and 14. That's when the most divorces are at. 4 is when they realize, whoa, we, we've gone down a path these last few years that has not been healthy. And so they get a divorce. Or they suck it up, and then at year 7, they just can't handle it anymore. So they get a divorce. Or they go, well, it's for the kids' sake, and let's just wait till they get out of the house, and then that's your 14. So 4, 7, and 14, or 15, uh, are the years where most people get divorced. And uh, you might know that 50% of the marriages end in divorce. Guess what it is in the church? It's better. No, it's not. It's about the same. It's still over 50% of church people end their marriage in divorce. Now, and here's something I read uh, recently, 80... This is scary because 80% of people currently married feel like they've married the wrong person. Is that crazy? I mean, we are in a crisis of the family. Today is probably the most important message of our society. These two weeks are probably the most important messages of our entire culture, of the world, of our church, of your family, of your future. Because the family is in deep, deep crisis. Something's broken. Something's not working. Even churchgoers are not living by God's ways, and they themselves are finding that they are in the shipwreck of their marriages. And you know, of the 50 that do stay together, statistically, half of them aren't even happy in their marriage. They live in separate parts of the house. They sleep in separate beds. It's a marriage of convenience for the kids, for insurance. It's just too difficult to get divorced. So you've got two out of four getting divorced. And then of the other two only one is happy so one out of four marriages are still trucking forward and happy with each other now i say that that's like one of the first things i say to a couple when i sit down to to do marriage counseling because the odds are against you i want you to know that every 10 to 13 seconds another couple divorces every 10 to 13 seconds I think we all can admit that something is wrong. Something is not working. So I want you to think for a second if this applied to any other area of your life. For example, say that you uh, heard that tomorrow's forecast was at 50%. There's a 50% chance of your children being mauled to death by a bear. How would you respond differently? You wouldn't go, "Okay, you know, be careful out there, honey." You know, we wouldn't say, "You know, look both ways and just run." Man, you know, are you working out? We, uh, you know, we we <laughs> wouldn't say goodbye, love you, run fast, good luck. You know, we what we would do is, man, we we would drive, we would make every If there was 50% chance that my daughter was dying tomorrow, she wouldn't leave my side. You know, and if she had to go to school, I would drive her there. She'd be wearing like this like mall protection suit, you know, like those dog trainers have on where they're walking like this. You know, they would totally, uh, man, I'd probably give her a gun. (laughs) Yes, it's Texas. We all have one in our house, whether it works or not, right? Even I have one. It doesn't work, but I have one. My grandpa's, hasn't been shot in probably 50 years. You would do something different because the odds are against you. Imagine that a car wreck was part of the stats. Imagine that you knew that there was a 50% chance that you were going to get in a car wreck on your way to work tomorrow. I don't think that you would go to work the same Exact way with the same mentality. You wouldn't go on cruise control and just crank up the radio and, oh, you know, you know how you do that. You know, you get in your car, you do the same thing every day. You so all of a sudden, you're like daydreaming, whoa, I'm at work. You know, you wouldn't be like that. Then you'd be like driving slow, you'd be looking everywhere. You'd be, you may not even go to work. If you knew that 50% chance, then you'd probably wear a helmet in your car. You'd, you'd finally go the speed limit. You'd put your phone down. Because the odds are against you. There's a Harvard study reveals that only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they did three things on a regular basis. This is a secular study. One, only one out of 1,200 couples got a divorce if they prayed together, read the Bible together, and attended church together. And that, that just helps the odds. So we're going to do more than that. I want you to write this down. The reason there is any breakdown in the home is because of disobedience from God's Word. Just period. That's that's just the the gist of it. If you're having trouble in your marriage or you're single and you look at your your folks, you know, and you're like, I don't want... It's amazing how many kids that I talk to, young adults, they don't want to get married. They don't want to get married because they, they don't see... Any hope for their marriage. They, they haven't seen it in culture, in their family, in their life. And, and the reason is if there's any breakdown, it's because there's disobedience to God's word in the home. It all hinges on, hinges on this. When we put it into practice, we experience life and blessing on our home. So, what we're going to do today is I'm going to talk to you about talking, about communication. Uh, a key to love, peace, and unity, and a key, the number one reason why people get divorced is they just aren't talking, and so they're arguing, and they don't know how to interact with each other, and there's a, next week, we're going to talk about the top reasons that we argue, next week, we're going to talk about how to fight, how to argue, it's not a bad thing to argue, but there is right and wrong ways, so next week, we're going to put the, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead, you just come next week, some of you guys are like, <laughs> I want to learn this, because if we argue a lot. We could do it better. Um, there may be nothing worse than the feeling of being misunderstood, and perhaps there's nothing better than feeling understood and being known. So good communication is good. Is a good and paramount reason for a good marriage. So here we go. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start with the first couple. Just before I get started, I want to say this. Um, Genesis is a real story. This is real people. Adam is a real person. Eve is a real person. It's not just a symbolic story of, of, you know, the generic image of a man and a woman and mankind and womankind. Jesus referred to them as real people. Paul referred to them as real people. The apostle Peter referred to them as real people. That's not a symbolic book. This is a real event. There really was a creation. There really was a God who designed a man and a woman. And as weird as the story is, it is God's design to give us more than just a story, but a, a reason and a background for how we are to interact with each other. I think this is important because we're gonna look at some symbolic pictures in it, but it is a real story with real people. So in Genesis chapter 2, God has already created the heavens and the earth. And this is what it says in verse 15. It says, The Lord took the man that he created and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Everybody say, work it. He said, to put it in the garden to work it and to take care of it. By the way, work is not a result of sin. We don't work because we're being punished. Guys, we are designed to work. We are created to work. It's in our DNA. By the way, I've read this. uh, Actually, it's a little documentary. They've actually traced mankind down to one human being. Uh, So they believe that all of man is the result of one person. This is biology 101. And they call that person, guess what they call that person? Adam chromosome Y. All right, because they've traced man down to one person and even science, so they don't believe in the creation. They call him Adam. Well, here's this Adam. He was created. God says, I want you to work. By the way, I think it's interesting that men find fulfillment because of this outside of the home and their accomplishments. And uh, as we're going to find, women find uh, fulfillment with their accomplishments inside the home. So there's this conflict uh, between the outside house and the inside house always going on between men and women. Verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree Of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, when he says die, he's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death, a connection with God. Now, these are the ground rules. And this is the ground rule. Listen, this is the ground rules of the Bible. You're not your own boss. That's the ground rules of the Bible. The ground rules in our relationship with God is you are not the boss. God is in charge. You can't do whatever you want. That's the beginning story of the Bible. You're not the boss. When we start thinking we are the boss of our own destiny, trouble happens. Verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. All men said amen to that. Amen to that. It was was a joke, but it was literal too. (laughs) It's not good for man to be alone and i'm glad because I don't want to be alone. I love my wife I I love having my family says so I will make a helper suitable for him Only thing god said up to this point that wasn't good He created the the heavens and the earth the light and the dark He created the the ground and the, the fish and the birds of the air and the land. He created adam He said man, this is all good ah What's not good is that adam's alone? Adam didn't say anything. Perhaps he thought things were fine. But God always knows better. He knows what we need. So this is what happened. Verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. There was nobody to help him. Nobody he could connect with. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with the flesh. By the way... All of creation, is, uh, it was started with a word. Woman was the only creation started from another. I think that's interesting. All of creation came from nothing except for woman who came from man. It's because we were designed to be together. We were designed to be one. We were designed to, to stand by each other, to be by each other's side. He says, so he closed up the place with the flesh. Then the word, uh, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. I want you to write this down. This is real interesting. This verse tells us a couple of things. First of all, notice this. Men, God has designed you to be natural givers. I think this is dynamic. His rib, bone. His Adam said, this is now bone in my bone. Flesh is my flesh. She's part of me. God, take from me and give to her. God took from him and he gave to the we are designed as natural givers and women God made you natural receivers not takers receivers husband we are to lead and provide wives receive and make it better i love this for example give them a house they'll make it a home give them food they'll make a meal. Men, give your wives godly leadership and they will make it better and together as one, it is powerful. This is an extremely important foundational role in our relationships. He goes on to say, verse 18, the Lord God said, let's look back at this verse, it's not good for man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. That word helper is a big part of the role why God created a woman. Wife, Your role is to make his life, to make this life, to make this world better. You help him. Husbands, your wives are designed to help you. Don't deprive her of her calling. What what does a guy always say when his wife asks if he needs help? exactly i mean we i got it no i'm fine i'm fine i got it i mean, i can't tell you how many times my wife has asked me to help i'm like, no i got it i'm fine it's like i'm almost offended that she wants to help me like i can't figure it out but that's not what it's about is it she has a has a calling inside of her heart it's bumping in her chest it's 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 a drive to 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 serve and to to take what we give and to give it back and to make it better And what we tend to do is we deprive our wives of our calling. And so a lot of women, they feel very insignificant, insecure, resentful of their husbands. So in a healthy marriage, four big ideas about communication here. This is the first one, is that we communicate from our roles and giftings. Now, we've talked about the roles in marriage before, so I'm not going to get into that right now. But it does mention a couple here. Understand this and live this. Everything we say and do is designed to bring out the best in each other. When we don't understand our roles and what God has called us, we bring out the worst in each other. Genesis uh, 2, uh, 23 says this. says, now this, he says to the woman, now this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called, whoa, man. For she was taken out a man. That's what, you see, that's the first thing. He said, whoa, man, thank you, God. For she was taken out a man. Basically, it means, uh, this is going to sound weird. It means man with a womb. Pretty, isn't it? Um, It sounds weird when you think of it like that. That is why a man leaves his mother and father and is united to his wife. And when you get married, you leave your parents you leave your friends, you leave your dreams, you leave your goals, even ministry if necessary, because your dreams now become one dream as a couple, you become one. doesn't mean you abandon those things. It means that those things are now at the bottom of your list to your wife or your husband. So the Hebrew word here for united is the word debach. Everybody look to your neighbor and go, debach. If you spit on them, you set it right. Here's what debach means. The word debach means um, as I'm spitting. My, my, my daughter told me the other day that I spit really big when I was preaching the other day. And it's because she sat over here, and I said, I said, well, that means God's here. No, I mean, I, I grew up in like Spirit filled churches where, man, you, you didn't want to sit on the front row. They're like spitting everywhere. It's like, <laughs> All right. Debach means to continually. Check this out. The word united. We just got, oh, united. We're together. That's it. We're done. But debach means to continually catch by pursuit. It means to cling to and continually adhere to. It's not just to pursue until you're married, we're done, we're united, case closed. Now we can do whatever we want and act however we want. He says, no, it says to be united means to continually clinch and pursue. So I want you to write this down. We communicate with the purpose of of pursuing each other. The reason that you have a conversation with a friend or with your wife or with your husband is because you want to be with them. You want to hang out with them. You want to know about them. You want to resolve the issues because you want to be together Different uses of the word debak in the Bible. Uh, It's the same word debak. It's translated sometimes to join intensely, to chase, to follow, to continually cling, to pursue. It says, and they clung to each other. They pursued each other. And they became one flesh. The Hebrew word for one there is the word chad, which means that they are being one. Being, it's an active thing. The amazing mystery of the one plus one equals one. This is an adventure of a life. Anything leaves you disappointed if you don't live by this idea, feeling alone, questioning marriage. If you don't live by this, it just doesn't make sense. We are told to chase our dreams and to fulfill our calling and do whatever it takes to reach our potential. I see this all the time. Man, guys who will, who will let their marriage fall to crap, Because they want to be great at work or be a great soldier or they want to be a great in business or they want a certain career or they want to chase a dream. They want to be a musician or an artist or whatever. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of those pursuits. But if it's at the price of your wife or your husband, you're headed for disaster. He says, This has got to be your one pursuit in this life after Christ. We're told to chase them, but don't chase them. These are lies and they damage marriages. Divorce is not an option, Nicole and I. It's not a word in our vocabulary. I know some of you have gone through divorce, and I want you to know your life is not over. God can pick you up right where you're at and move you forward and there's healing and there's there's grace and there's mercy and there's forgiveness for our struggles and our failures and our stumbles but if you're pursuing a marriage right now then know that this is something God wants you to have forever if you're in a marriage right now and you're still together but you're thinking about divorce I want you to know God wants you to be in that marriage forever as long as you both shall live and it can be a blessed marriage It can turn and go in a completely different direction when we follow God's will for our life. Ruth Ann Graham was asked, have you ever thought about divorcing Billy Graham? And she said, never a day in my life have I thought about divorcing him. I've thought about murdering him on many occasions, but never ever divorce. Thought that was funny. Uh, It's not something uh, we're gonna do, Uh, Nicole and I. It's not even an option because we are in covenant with each other. God brought you together. Malachi 2 says that God hates divorce. His plan is for you to work out any difference, to communicate and to pursue each other because you are one. You're clung to each other. Now, again, if you've stumbled in this area, there's grace, there's mercy, and there's a future for you. I believe that 100%. Here's the third thing I want you to write down is that we communicate as a team, not as opponents. We are not enemies. Solomon described it this way. I need a husband and wife. We're an engaged couple. We got a few again. I need a husband. All right. Tiny and Ida. Excelente. All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Tiny or Ida, either one of you. I want you guys to tie your legs together. Okay. Not too tight that you can't undo it, but you know, tight enough to where it's not going to fall off. All right. While they're doing that, I want you to think about for a second what Ecclesiastes 4.12 says. It talks about how it is better to have two people than to have one person in a relationship because if one is cold, the other can keep them warm. If one is attacked, the other can defend them. And if one is sick, the other can care for them. And then it says this. It says, verse 12, it says, And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken so what we have here is a husband and a wife and a threefold cord we have a cord right here to represent the third cord now I want you to walk from one end of the stage to the other well that's kind of at the knees so that may be a little easy for you but all right All right, now walk all the way to the other side. <laughs> Ooh, they're, they're going down the middle, obstacle course here. <laughs> all right, and then make your way back over here in front of me here. Oh, there goes the rope. All right, you'll need to tie that again because I'm going to have you do something if you could. All right. Now, I want you to know that this is what it says when it says we are one flesh in a threefold cord. That threefold cord is a husband and a wife and the Lord God himself who ties us and knits us together. It's kind of like a three-legged race tying our legs together. Two individuals joined together by one cord of Christ. Now, if you noticed right away, immediately, things didn't go exactly together, did it? What changed that? What was that? You started talking to each other. No, you should no 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 no. All right, now try it again. It's in a different place. It's a little bit all right, it's a little bit harder down there. All right. Now I want you to turn around and I want just one of you to walk without the other's consent. And you just you just you know, make her make her do it. You're the man, make her do something. <laughs> notice he's not moving. (laughs) Uh, We were joking about this before service. I want you guys to walk over here if you could for a second. You see, if you work together and if you want to run together uh, and if you want to serve together, you got to find the rhythm of God's purpose In your life, you've got to not only say well jesus is the center of our life But we've got to let that cord be the dictation as to how we communicate and how we work through things together Because when we do it on our own If you were to do it on your own or you were to do it on your own Somebody will fall. Somebody will stumble. Somebody will be mad Without a lack without communication Someone will always be competing for control somebody will fall somebody will be hurt, right? See, when God has called us to be joined together, that threefold cord of Christ has got to be the thing that knits us together. And even if we stumble or kind of have some mess ups or some little confusion at first, talking it out, keeping Christ the center of our life, leading us and guiding us, we must have unity, we must have common direction or somebody's gonna get hurt. If you could walk over there and untie it, and you guys are done. Let's give him a hand as they walk this out together. This is about talking about the we, not the he, or not the me. It's talking about a partnership. Something Nicole and I heard when we first got married, and we love saying this, and we tell other couples, is instead of just saying I love you, we say I love us. Because I can't imagine my life without her. Thank you. Anybody else want to give it a shot? See how good your communication is, huh? Adam and Eve, verse 25, says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. God makes them just the way we like them, doesn't doesn't he, (laughs) man? Naked, all right. (laughs) She shows up without clothes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Man, no, there, no tra- there was no shame. They were transparent. They were bare before each other. I want you to write this down. Is it good communication or we communicate to keep transparency, vulnerability, and trust? You see, when we communicate, when we get together, a key value to our communication, to our future, has got to be transparency. Staying Connected has got to become a priority. It takes work being transparent. It takes work to be trusting and to be trustworthy and to be vulnerable. I mean, they were talking naked and unashamed. It takes effort. If you don't share the little stuff, one day it will become the big stuff and it will hurt you. We are one. We are a team. We are partners. I'm not going anywhere uh, where you're not going and uh, we can talk openly and honestly. And because of that, I don't have a fear of rejection. That's naked and unashamed. Communication starts with these things right here. Without these, couples drift apart. Guys, when, a, when you wake up one day and you realize, maybe I shouldn't have married this person, that doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. Walls are built over time. Distance is found over over time. And realize this, the couples that want to get back together, they must step there, step by step back and it takes time. The walls that are built over time will take time to come down. So here's something to put on a coffee mug. Know this, a great marriage will be full of trouble. Marriage is like chopsticks. It looks easy until you try to do it. You look at oh man, man. It looks so. It looks so easy. It's practice. Why don't you write this down? We're gonna. Uh, well, I'm gonna give you a couple things. The fight that should have happened. We're gonna pray. One fight that should have taken place in Genesis is right now. A serious talk that should have happened, but there is no leadership. Genesis three four. The serpent said, you will, not surely, uh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. You see, Satan will lie to you about your relationships and about your marriage. God does not want the best for you. That's what Satan will tell you, that God doesn't love you enough to fix your marriage or to to put you in a loving relationship you deserve a little bit more the enemy will say to you when it comes to your marriage he'll say man you you could do so much better that's a lie from the enemy god is holding back from you the fruit is better over there at work the fruit is better over there at the school the fruit is better over there across the street man the neighbors man that old friend that facebook friend man that's better fruit God is holding back on you. See, this is the lie of the enemy in our relationships, and that's what he's lying right now. He's saying to Eve, God doesn't want the best for you. He's got things he's holding out on. Well, that's a lie. Where do you think the man was when she ate of this fruit? Check this out. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took... And uh, she took some and ate it. She says it was on sale. We're saving money. You realize it still costs. She also gave some to her husband. If you have a Bible, underline this. Who was with her? And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed a fig. Uh, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. When sin enters the picture. Not only do we have a distance between God, but we have a distance between each other. When you have sin in your life, and your marriage, in your home, you will not be able to connect with your spouse or your friends in the way, you know, I always know when something bad's going on with a friend because they become reclusive. You know what I'm saying? That's, if you're a parent, you know something's going down with your kids if they start hiding away. They don't ever want to come out of their room if your husband doesn't ever want to come home, if your wife is always escaping into some book and never wants to connect with you, if they're secluding them, hiding themselves, something is going on in their heart or in their life. I want you to notice this, is that Adam was right there. was right there. The argument that should have happened didn't happen. What could have happened was... Adam could have said, Eve, my sweet, my darling, my love. No, don't listen. He's lying. It's a lie. Honey, remember what God told us. Remember the promise of God. Remember, honey, please, honey, don't. And you know what? If she had eaten and he had not, we still would have been okay. Because the Bible says that our sin problem was passed down through Adam, not Eve. So Eve didn't bring the sin problem. Adam brought it. If he had said, no, honey, no, thank you. Let's talk to God. Let's, let's, let's get this worked out because God put me in a role of leadership to guide us and I, and, and, and I want us to get us back on track. But instead, he failed his leadership and he ate some too. And that's when God showed up. And what follows is an argument that didn't have to happen. Genesis three sixteen to the woman he said God shows up and he says to the woman he says things are going to happen that aren't going to be good because of what you've done and this is what he says he says to the woman he says God says I will make your pains and childbearing very severe that means it's going to increase it's going to hurt to have a baby every every woman say thank you Eve and then and then thank you modern medicine for uh, epidurals right um, It says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe, and with painful labor, you will give birth to children. i tell you what, nobody hurts for their kids like a mother, right? A a child gets hurt, and dad's like, come on, suck it up. Even our little girls, they're sick a day. You You get one day from me. Two days, it's time to get it together. Right? And if it's a guy, you don't even get that. <laughs> right? We're, we're, we, we don't have mercy embedded in our hearts like our wives, like a mother does. Nobody hurts for their children like a mother, And it goes right back to here. It says, "You will have pain for your children." And I, I want you to notice this that when sin enters a marriage, here's some things that happen. Here's some results of sin in a marriage. I want you to write this down. An unhealthy focus on children. You know what happens when you know that a marriage is not doing well? Because everything revolves around the baby, around the child, around the the daughter, around the son, regardless of what age. An unhealthy focus on children. Putting your kids over the spouse is not God's plan for your marriage. Revolving your life around your kids, your schedule, your events, even your church around the kids is not God's plan for your marriage. You know, I'm glad that we have a kids' church that's a lot of fun and that kids bring parents and that they want to come back because of that. But mom, dad, you need to pick a church that's going to help you grow. Because maybe they get an hour of kid venture or some kids' church someplace but they get you seven days a week. And if you're not growing, there's there's no church that can fix what's going on in your family. You need to find a church where you're growing and plug your kids into that life because if you're maturing, your family will be fine. Your family will be okay. But instead, we have an unhealthy focus on children. When When we feel anxiety between a husband and a wife, we'll say, you know what? Forget you. Come here, baby. You love mama, don't you? Right? I'm, I, you know, my wife, I, I don't know, but my, my daddy's girl, you know, I love my, my, I love my girls. We get this unhealthy focus. He goes on to say, he says, because of this, to the woman, he says, and your desire will be for your husband. That does not mean, oh, I love you so much. I just want to be with him all the time. What it means, is, says that you will desire to have control over your husband. That's what the literal there means. He says, you will desire to take charge. And that way, in response, it says, but he will rule over you. He says, in a marriage that is affected by sin, there'll be fight over control, over children and over issues of the home. I want you to write this down. That You know that sin is entered a marriage when there is fighting and attempts to control and manipulate each other. Manipulation. To get what you want a lack of mutual submission verse 17. It says to adam He said because you listen to your wife And in this area was not an area he should have by the way men you should be listening to your wives my my best Counselor my best guide the person who loves me more than any of you is my wife And she matters her opinion matters more than any person on this planet and I will listen to her But in this instant, Adam was not a man and took leadership and he did not protect and look out for his wife. And he says, and Adam, because you didn't protect and look out for your wife, instead you followed her and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. And I told you, you must not eat it. He says, because you did not lead your wife and protect her like I called you to. He said, cursed is the ground because of you through Painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. He says this, he says, because of your sin, you're going to work so hard and so much more just to make it in life. Working to provide will be a constant struggle for you. He says, working will not be easy. Though you were called and designed to work, because of sin, you're going to despise that work. I want you to write this down. You know, sin into a relationship because work becomes a burden and an escape. Overall, unhappiness with life, feeling resentment, all of a sudden they, they you know what? Things at home are weird. I'm just going to dive into work. I'm going to spend all my time, all my efforts, all my... I have nothing left when I go home because I poured it out at work. Honey, you need to be thankful. I am providing for you. It's just an excuse not to communicate, not to try, not to put in the effort. When God says, no, 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 I know it's going to be hard at work, but that's still who you're to pursue. And sin enters, and when it does, the fruit of it is an unhealthy focus on work. Work becomes a burden and an escape. Verse 18, he says, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, talking about the earth, and you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return To the ground, I mean, until you die. And by the sweat of that brow, you'll eat until you die. Since from it you were taken, from the dust you are, and the dust you will return. He says, man, you might work yourself to death. And Romans, Romans 1 and 2, it says, not only did that happen, but because of Adam, also sin was introduced to this world. See, here's the result. Men will struggle at work. Women will struggle at home. And men and women will struggle with each other. That is the result of what happens when we don't follow God's will for how we communicate. So next week, I'm going to talk to you about how to argue, how to communicate your differences in a healthy way. I want to end with this verse, Ephesians 5, 31. And we're going to pray, so if the band wants to come on down. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. The Apostle Paul is quoting Genesis that we read earlier. And he says, and the two will become one flesh. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. You see, our marriage, our home is to be a reflection of the only hope this world has, and that is Jesus Christ. I want you to ask yourself, if you are married, does your marriage reflect Jesus? Does it refl- Do you reflect Christ in your marriage? Do you reflect, uh, reflect the bride of Christ in your marriage? Because when we do it right, the world sees Jesus in our life. Now, here's the beauty of the cross, is that when we fail, there is forgiveness and a fresh start and a new beginning. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, If anyone be in Christ, sees a new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand Brand new. So understand this. God is a God of redemption. Jesus paid the price for every mark that was missed, including our marriages. So I want to pray for you. If you're a single person, I hope you receive this today. If you're married, I hope you receive this today. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to to see our God-given 10 crafted, molded roles in marriage. That men have been designed and crafted and women have been designed and crafted as beautiful, purpose-filled creations to be in unity in pursuit of each other. God, help us to talk to each other. Help us to listen to each other. God, I pray for grace and mercy for the marriages that are struggling right now. God, those that aren't talking to each other, those that are at the end of their rope, God, those that have been years past talking to each other and they've now completely grown apart. God, have grace for them. God, help them to change the course of their relationship with each other. God, I pray for those that have have gone through the pain of a divorce and of loss of someone that they love and are single again. and Lord, I just pray that you'd let them know that there is life after the storm. There is life after the wreckage. God, there is life, there is hope, there's a future for them. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your grace that never ceases to amaze me.